0: Welcome to DJ Grandpa's Crip, the crowdfunding podcast. Each week, I interview real people with honest dreams. Today is Monday, August 25th, 2014. This is the last episode in our Walk Down Memory Lane series. All I'd like to say is thank you. And on this day in history, in 1962, little Eva scored her first and only number one hit with Locomotion. Up first, Karen Parsons with the Janet Commons story.
1: Uh, my name is Karen Parsons. You might know me as Hillary from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. That was a long time ago. <laughs> and since then, I am a mother and I am the founder of Sweet Blackberry.
0: Welcome to DJ Grandpa's Crib. Thank you. How's it feel to be on Kickstarter? Is this your first time?
1: It's my first time doing a Kickstarter campaign. Right. I've contributed to campaigns before, but um, this is my first insane endeavor. It's actually great.
0: Right. You're loving it. Okay. All right. All right.
1: What's really interesting is you're just so nervous and hoping that you, you get to your goal, but The outpouring of support is intense. And
0: you have this incredible animated movie that you're looking to finance called The Janet Collins Story. That's right. presented by Sweet Blackberry and that feels like another name as though you've been to an historically black college or something sweet.
1: <laughs> no. Sweet Blackberry <laughs> is the name of my organization. It's a nonprofit organization. Yes, ma'am. Our mission is to bring little-known stories of African-American history to kids through films and, and different forms of media and mostly right now we, we've been focusing on animated short films right. with a single narrator. The first one we did I was called *The Journey of Henry Box Brown*, which was narrated by Alfred Woodard. Mm-hmm. They're all true stories of a slave who mailed himself to freedom in a box.
0: I had never heard that story.
1: That story was the impetus for *All a Sweet Blackberry*. When my mom told me that story, um, I thought, "That's incredible! I can't believe I haven't heard that, and I can't believe none of my friends have heard it." And I want to make a kids' book of that. And, right. and then many, 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 many years later. I finally hopped to it and started to try to bring that story to life and a lot of other stories because I had discovered so many incredible stories along the way.
0: It's just a killer story, man. I never heard it before, but I was like, man, would I have done that if I was in that position? Could I have...
1: The story that we're... Yeah, exactly. That was the the Henry Box Brown one. And the story that we're focusing on now that we're trying to raise money for on Kickstarter Mm -hmm. or that we're raising money for is um, the Janet Collins story. And that's a true story of The first African-American prima ballerina who broke down barriers and, you know, when she was 15, was asked in 1932, was asked by the Ballet Russe de Monte Carlo, which is a very prestigious dance troupe, to dance with them. But they said, but you'd have to perform in whiteface.
0: Yeah, I couldn't imagine that one either.
1: Yeah, and she really thought that it was only about talent. And she was devastated, and of course, but she turned it down. Not everybody did in in those days.
0: Right.
1: And she went on to work even harder and became extraordinary and ended up being the first Black soloist at the Metropolitan Opera before Marian Anderson sang there, four years before, and became this celebrated prima ballerina. Really incredible story, but people don't seem to know about her now, which just doesn't make any sense to me.
0: I want to say that you know how to pick them. Because it's like every story that I've seen that you've touched, that you talked about on your Kickstarter, they're killer stories,
1: all of them. I'm not creating the stories. The stories exist, you know, and there's so many more. They're just real stories. You know, we get taught about the same handful of stories in Black history that are good stories. They're great, real life, incredible stories. But that doesn't mean that that's all there is. There's so much more, there's so many more contributions. Yes, and so exactly. many more incredible people and in their stories to learn from and for kids to learn from in terms of, because of the struggles that people had to go through and the ingenuity that they had to have to do what they did at the time that they did it, you know, in the time period. Right. I think there's so much for kids to get from that, like oh, you know, major, these obstacles are potentially areas where uh, these challenges are things that I can actually aspire to great things.
0: Do you think there's are like enough of those stories in your in your wheelhouse because i i never used that word
1: before i like that word i've never used it either but i'm gonna try to use it this week
0: do you think there's like enough stories that you could have like a 365 day calendar of all incredible stories
1: like that oh and then you can go the next year and not repeat the same ones yeah My mom worked at the library and she told me some fascinating stories. And I thought, oh my gosh, I wanna get these to little kids early. And it's developed into a thing of, I really wanna plant the seeds in them for a number of reasons, some of which I already said, because of the lessons they can learn, because of the stories that are being lost. But also, I think it's really important, so much for self-esteem. And I think that when we relegate black history to a, a little 28-day month, and... <laughs> you're not satisfied. You got a month. Now you, you're complaining that it's 28 go. days. You got a month. That's the problem. It's, <laughs> I'm sorry, this is American history. It's not... <laughs> when did it become this separate thing? I understand the celebrating it. Right. And we wanted to draw attention because that was necessary at the time. But I th- we can't just go, well, That back when Black History Month was first established, times are different now. Things have changed and moved, and this needs to be American history. We can focus on it when we want in places, but it shouldn't be extracted as a separate history for this one month out of the year. And (laughs) what is that saying? I love that month,
0: though. (laughs) Not because of the Black History Party. (laughs) It's
1: a little dinky month. I like small packages. Let's
0: not forget she's raising money on Kickstarter, the Janet Collins story. Go check it out. Presented by Sweet Blackberry. Oh, it is incredible illustrations. I don't want to leave that out. But you also have a moment in history. The show? Now this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down. And I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there. I'll tell you how I became the prince of a town called Bel-Air. See, I want to, I want to talk to you like I know you or something, because you're a celebrity. And you always fall into that sort of thing. But how does it feel to, I guess they call being at Pantheon and to have worked with that caliber of talent? You know, not to say that you're not that caliber of talent.
1: We didn't think of it that way. We were. You guys, you guys' heads weren't blown up. Come on. No, I was with a really good group of people.
0: Are you still big into acting or, you know, is it theater? What's it for you these days?
1: I'm not doing any acting right now.
0: I've right. been
1: focusing on this organization, Sweet Blackberry, and my family, my kids are 11 and seven now, right. so I've been really dedicating a lot to that. Not that I'm not I'm not gonna ever act again, it's just that's been it's taken a lot of my time
0: right because i didn't pull up your imdb and that's one of the internet movie database and i kind of wanted to stalk you on that for a second and just say, like, <laughs> see what i've been doing yeah yeah
1: it's like what is you doing? A dead end dead end
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. and then i looked at your kickstarter profile and i was like huh that's not really no that's not answering that question either nope. but okay for those of you who've been waiting for her to return to acting or have followed karen throughout the years I don't even know how to put this. But anyway, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, but I guess you thought that was luck. So you starred as Hillary on Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Is that the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, yeah.
1: Oh, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, yeah. Yeah, I
0: can never get over calling him
1: Will Smith because... Yeah, I'm... you're still stuck in that uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince.
0: Can I say one more thing about him? That's okay. If I had to spend 20 years into the future... I would have never guessed that Will Smith would be Will Smith, that he'd be like this Hollywood A-lister. So I would have never, I would have bet money against it.
1: Not that I'm negative and not that I
0: don't watch Will Smith movies. It's just,
1: I would have never imagined. Right. He didn't seem like he fit the profile or something. It's like the
0: last I remember Will Smith was, I was at Hampton university and I was having a conversation with a cousin of his and he and Jazzy Jeff were on tour and they were in town. And all these people were just saying, "Oh, he's so nice. He's so this. He's so that." And I, you know, me being contrary, I'm like, "He's not a nice guy."
1: (laughs) You know, based on what? Based on what? Based on nothing. Just based on being a jerk. Part of the reason I think he's had such tremendous success, aside from the obvious things that he's incredibly charming and talented, is that there isn't anybody like him. So he inhabits this space. You know, it's just, it's just Will, it's just him. Like he does, nobody else does quite what he does.
0: Okay, now let's get back to Sweet Blackberry because I know you're getting ready to hang up on this. Yeah, <laughs> I heard that about you, I heard. They said be brief, man, because she tends to hang up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, adorable pictures. You need that doing a Kickstarter campaign. This is for an animated film. What is your role in this film? I mean, are you the
1: director, writer, what? I'll be producing and writing it. Yeah, that's what I've done in the past on the films that we've done before, which I feel really good about. Mm -hmm. The two films that we did before were both Parents' Choice Award-winning films, and they they ran on HBO for a while. So we know we're doing we're doing something right, but we also we have Chris Rock narrating this one. Oh yeah, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, very excited to have Chris. And it's an incredible story. Our Gregory Christie is doing the illustrations that you talked about that okay. you see on our Kickstarter, and he's just done a few for us, you know, so people can get an idea, get a taste of it. And then Chris Rock has signed on, so we've got an exceptional team that is ready to do this. We just need people to. Take a look at what we're doing. And if you like what you see, to please pledge something toward this so we can get to our goal. It's only, we only have 11 days left.
0: They do need your help. They're like 40% funded. We're right at half. Oh yes, my fault, I can't add now. What is
1: wrong with me?
2: <laughs>
1: You're at like almost 60% funded. No, 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 We're We're, oh, sorry. <laughs> anyway, we're about around the halfway point. Yes, ma'am. You know, we definitely need the momentum and the push to keep us going so we can get over the hill and reach it, reach our goal. And um, let's see, like I said, it's nerve-wracking. I think the thing that's really important before I hang up on you. Yeah, that yeah, because I, I know <laughs> how you are. Is for people to check out the rewards. Go all the way through them, from the beginning all the way to the end. We have some incredible rewards. We have a special screening with the Fresh Prince cast of a fan voted on favorite episode of the Fresh Prince. We'll watch it with you in Q&A. We have a shopping spree with Tatiana, Ali, and myself. Chris Rock will do a voicemail. Jada Pinkett-Smith will do your outgoing voicemail. Alfonso Ribeiro will, and so will Will Smith. Wow, everything's up for sale. Anything for (laughs) Quincy Jones? (laughs) Oh, I don't have Quincy. I wish I did.
0: Benny Medina, somebody?
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of really cool stuff. There's also like stuff from the Metropolitan Opera, ballet tickets, really wonderful stuff. Like
0: I said, for anyone out there, check out the Janet Collins story presented by Sweet Blackberry and Karen Parson. And it's on Kickstarter. And if you can't find it, they always go to DJGrandpa.com where we support what? The family. A lot of times. Kids. A lot of times. Movies. Everything. I feel like Crazy Eddie at the moment. (laughs) but we're selling everything on the janet collins page check it out and miss parsons thank you very much for doing this uh i really appreciate
1: it thank you i'm
0: walk the plank with me and mayday games welcome to the show seth how are you doing
2: Doing well. Good to be here.
0: When we first started to correspond, I thought you were in Utah.
2: That's where the president of the company is and uh, our employees. But I actually moved out to China about a year and a half ago to focus more on the manufacturing production and some Asian distribution. So I've been living here in, in China for about a year and a half with my wife and three kids.
0: Could you tell me about your new action game, Walk the Plank?
2: Walk the Plank is uh, a game we saw last year at uh, Gen Con, and uh, the designers... Jared and Shane, they showed it to us. It's a fun little game where basically what you're doing is you've got a set of ten cards, you're choosing three of them to play, you put them face down in order so the starting player will turn his card over, resolve his or her action, and then the play passes to the left and just goes around. Then once everyone's played the first card, then everyone plays the second card in order and the third card. The neat thing about it is you're mostly hurting other players, trying to advance your own position because you're getting pushed off of a a pirate ship, and if you fall into the water, you're out. But the fun part about it is that even though you're attacking other players, because you play your cards in this order, you may or may not be able to do what you thought you were going to be able to do. And your, uh, your crew that you're in charge of, the three pirates that you have on board, are really stupid. So if you uh, put your third card, shove another player, and all you have when you get to your turn is your guys on that square, then you have to shove your own player. So the pirates are really dumb. Yeah. You may be trying to attack your friend half the time, it doesn't work out. And it just makes it really funny, and it's not as uh, as brutal of a game because there's no real direct attack. Half the time, you're just lucky if you get to hit anybody at all.
0: So you guys turn against each other in this game?
2: So everybody's trying to uh, push the other players off the plank, and the, the last one standing is the winner, basically.
0: We've spoken before, and you said that Mayday Games is a very small company. Correct. And that you're growing. Where do you see the majority of the growth coming from for your company?
2: The biggest part of it probably is Kickstarter. We've been able to do a lot with Kickstarter, and that's helped us a lot, to be able to launch products faster and to uh, have the cash flow to make all these new games.
0: Your literature says that since 2011, you've had roughly 14 Kickstarter campaigns?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think it's 13 or 14, yeah. Yeah. Our very first one was a game called Get Bit, which is about some pirates in the water getting chased by a shark. So the uh, Walk the Plank game is kind of a prequel of that game. Yeah, we've had quite a few Kickstarters. We've had all but one of them be successful. And uh, we've been really, really lucky that this, the support for the, our games has been pretty broad. So we've really been enjoying the success of that.
0: I've been told by other gamers that there's sort of a revolution going on in your industry and that they see so much of their sales coming from Germany. Is the same true for your company?
2: Not as much for us yet. But uh, if you look at uh, most years, Germany spends about three times as much on games as yes. America does, but they only have about a third of our population. Oh. So the average person in Germany is spending nine times more per year on games than an American person. So right. there's definitely a lot of room for growth there. We haven't gotten a lot of our games there yet, but uh, we do go to the uh, German convention every year called uh, Spiel, which is in Essen in October, in yeah. Germany. And uh, we do have a lot of sales over there. We've definitely got more there than we used to. But that's our next big push, is to get our games into wider distribution in Europe.
0: Now, roughly 14 games on Kickstarter since 2011. To me, that's a big deal. How do you keep coming up with the hits? How do you keep finding the talent to bring out new games?
2: Well, a lot of it is just that when we go to these conventions, we will take uh, game designers, put them aside, and playtest their games. And It's kind of like being in a book publishing industry, if you're a publisher, everybody you know seems to have a book they've written. The same thing with board games. Well, there are a lot of people out there who've designed their own board game and they have this dream of getting their game out there and published. So what we do is we take a look at those games, play test them, and if we like them, we pick them up. People will submit new games. So us about every week we get some games to look at.
0: So you get to play new games all the time.
2: So basically I just get to go around the world with my family, set up booths and play board games. Yeah. There's worse things in life.
0: What would you like to say to your backers on Kickstarter?
2: The main thing is a very grateful thanks. We're just really excited that the backers have continued to support us. We have a lot of backers who seem to back every one of our projects. We get a lot of private emails thanking us for the the games we make. Most of our games are small, easy to play, simple to explain games that you can have a lot of fun with family and friends, and uh, we've just been really overwhelmed with the support. That the uh, kickstarter community has given us
0: this game walk the plank you know pirates are always very exciting but this game in particular seems to be raising money very quickly on kickstarter for you guys
2: i think a lot of that has to do with the price point we're selling it at 18 dollars, delivered to your door in the u.s yes and uh, i think 23 to canada and 25 worldwide so the price is really low and then we're doing something some new things there too we're getting a lot of Extra Kickstarter bonuses in there for those people who back us on the Kickstarter project that they won't be getting in the main game when we release it to wider distribution. Right. But I think a lot of those factors play into the fact that people are backing it faster than any of our other games before, and uh, I think Kickstarter in general is just being more and more well known. So the, there's a, a larger audience there to look at your game too.
0: Now where are you at right now? It sounds like you're about to take a plane or something.
2: <laughs> I'm actually uh, on a on a run. I was on a run around the, this lake here. It's a ten-mile run, and I'd forgotten that we were calling because of the time zone. It's only uh, about 10 a.m. here, so uh, there's just some traffic where I am.
0: <laughs> well, you make sure you look both ways before you
2: cross the street, and yeah, yeah, you know all that <laughs> stuff. You know, yeah, the traffic can be pretty crazy here in China sometimes. The town I live in is called Suzhou, China. Right. It's a town no one's ever heard of, but it's only got 6 million people in it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a town? <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Wow. Six little million town people. I live in. That's yep. a different world, man. A totally different world. Good luck to you and your
2: company, Mayday Games.
0: Thanks for coming on The crib.
2: Well, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Have a great night.
3: Place The thing is, I really can't stay long Maybe just one more song And you can hold me close And we can dance real slow Cause the band is going strong And you can sneak a kiss Right here on my lips Even though we don't belong Hi, my name is Natalie York I'm so excited to tell you about my brand new album. It's called Promises. I promise you that you'll love it. How are you doing, Natalie?
0: Good. I hear you're a soul singer. I hear you like music, love music.
3: Oh,
0: yeah. Want to do it all the time type of music? Oh, yeah. You have a new album coming out, too, that you're trying to, well, that you're funding on Kickstarter.
3: That's right. Why
0: don't you tell me about it?
3: I think it sounds really, really good. We recorded it this year, went up to the Catskills in upstate New York and did a lot of the tracking of the live band. Really, really cool experience to go up and record and then came back and added horns and pedal steel guitar and more vocals. And I just think it just sounds really, really good. It's got a little bit of soul. You know, there's those R&B tracks with the horns on them. And then there's a few tunes that are more country-oriented with the, you know, the had the pedal steel and... I've been on the back burner for, for a while But it's just about time to turn up the fire You stir me up Bring me to a boil Give me your full attention Pull me up closer
0: Do you write your own songs? I do. Well, what type of singer are you? You know, like sometimes you have someone who's really into love songs or you have someone who's, you know, they do like maybe songs that are just totally pro-girl, you know, girl power and stuff. But what would typify you?
3: They're talking about love and sometimes when love doesn't work out the way you want it to, but there's a sense of humor involved, you know, all the time that I think kind of comes through as well.
0: Well if like I were doing a horrible job and not really figuring out good questions or appropriate questions to ask you, what would you tell me I'm missing?
3: I've been getting really into Brandy Carlisle and Grace Potter and Rayla Montaigne and I think that I think that all, all of these current influences too come through a lot as well as you know just traditions of you know old soul music and, and old country music that you know, are really kind of ingrained. Like, how much
0: do, would you say of your sound studio magic, and how much can you pull off live? Like, are you just as good live as you would be in a studio, or?
3: It's funny, I just taught a full day of creative writing workshops to a bunch of middle school classes. I had performed a couple songs for them, and they had just been listening to a song off of my first record, and they had, you know, they had gone through with their teacher, and talked about what they thought the lyrics meant and I played you know one of the songs that they had listened to and kind of studied and they went around the room and kind of talked about what was different about the live performance and the studio performance and they all were just like pretty excited by hearing me live and you know it was very raw and acoustic and just me playing guitar and singing but I think they were surprised by how much it could fill the room and you know, the teacher had asked the students, before I even started playing, like, what they thought the differences might be. And one boy raised his hand and said, well, in the studio, you can use auto-tune and you can enhance the voice. And I think it sounded like he thought that we have to cut her some slack when she performs live, because it's never as good. But I think that they were all surprised that a singer can have a powerful impact in a live environment as well. You pull me in with promises, promises, promises. You pull me in with promises.
0: You, me, you of everything you thought i ever Are
3: you a teacher? I would like to be. I haven't done a ton of teaching, but I think especially in terms of writing and in, um, songwriting, I think that I would like to do more teaching. And for
0: anyone out there, if you've enjoyed the music in the background by Natalie York, go to kickstarter.com and check her page out, check her video out. She has a very uh, enthusiastic video, I'd say, on Kickstarter. (laughs) And see if you'd like to donate to her campaign, to fund, to release, in a big way, her new album. And if you can't find her there, if you get lost for any reason, if you get confused, always go to djgrandpa.com where we post links for all the groups and acts and writers and authors who are on the show natalie thank you very much for coming on the show and sharing your music
3: well thank you so much
4: remember we are the crowdfunding channel and we cover the globe one adventure game that has had a massive amount of influence on stasis is lucas arts's the dig the dig was a very important adventure game to me personally because although up to that point there had been uh, adventure game series is that dealt with certain mature topics uh, the Gabriel Knight well, Who am I series, speaking
0: to Chris uh, Nicholas uh, This is Chris South Africa huh where is South Africa again
4: uh, Southernmost tip of Africa so sort of if you know sort of where Africa is we're kind of right at the bottom Oh yeah yeah and I'm in Joburg in Gauteng So
0: you have the game on Kickstarter Yes a sci-fi horror isometric
4: adventure game yeah, quite a strange combination i'll i'll definitely agree to, to that
0: yeah you guys know how to churn out the terms man i'm gonna keep saying <laughs> that 2d two-dimensional okay gotcha that okay stasis yes Chris welcome to the crib
4: thank you very much
0: now why don't you tell me about this game stasis what is it all
4: about I love science fiction and I love horror games I um, mean I also love adventure games sort of in the in the same vein as Monkey Island and The Dig and the old kind of LucasArts classics Uh, so I kind of set about to make something that takes all of those that love and passion that I have and kind of put it in a big melting pot and the the end result is stasis it's sort of my love letter to everything that I love about science fiction and and adventure games
0: well I love science fiction also but I'm not going to test your knowledge of science fiction, though. I'm not going to. You can try. No, no, no. I'm not going to no, 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 pull your card, man. I'm sure you would win. I'm sure you would win. Gonna... Okay, so Lucas Arts. I keep hearing of this Lucas Arts, and now it's defunct. It's Disney now,
4: right? I still have high hopes for them actually doing something really nice with the licenses that they bought. But uh, after I suppose the last Star Wars prequels, we never know what they're actually going to do with it. <laughs> so you're insecure now. You're insecure. <laughs> I'm insecure about LucasArts <laughs> in Disney's hands, but I am quite confident because I know that they, I mean, they're, they're a big company. And I suppose if you're going to have a large corporation take over something like Star Wars and the licenses, you know, you want it to be somebody that can have a bit, of, a bit of clout and a bit of money behind them. So I'm apprehensively hopeful.
0: Yeah, everybody's afraid of the mouse. Everybody's yeah. afraid of the mouse. I got you, man. And from the video, it's one of these dystopic future tense stories, right?
4: It's sort of very much a future that you wouldn't necessarily want to actually be caught up in, which I think sort of <laughs> makes the the best settings for horror games. You know, you sort of you want to ask that question: Would you want to actually be there? And if the answer is yes, then you're not doing a very good job with the horror game. So you know, the answer should definitely be no. So yeah, it's, it's really kind of a an alternate take on kind of the worst aspects of society and, right. and finding yourself trapped in this this labyrinth and this, labyrinth. this maze and this monolithic uh, ship.
0: You're churning out those words, man. You're making me happy, <laughs> man. I'm liking this. I'm liking it. All right, now, what happens in the game Stasis that renders the world like this? What, what throws the world in this sort of upheaval? In the
4: backstory of the world, there was almost a, a second Cold War which took the place of sort of a genetics war. So a war of genetic modification and uh, medical research. And basically sort of the entire thing of do the ends justify the means uh, really came into play. After a a few years of this horrific experimentation that actually came about, society almost turned a blind eye to what was happening because they were getting the benefits of it. What happened is uh, there was a, a camp, which I've called Camp 571, uh, which was discovered. And essentially, it was the equivalent of what happened in World War II when Auschwitz was actually discovered, and they took the photographs and exposed it to humanity. Okay. That's really sort of where our story starts off. And the spaceship that we found ourselves on, after kind of the large public outcry of what was actually happening, all research was banned. So essentially, they had to find a way to do research out of the sort of prying eyeballs of humanity. And that's why they built the spaceship, this medical research station where our story actually takes place on.
0: Oh, kind of like America and Guantanamo and all of that sort of
4: <laughs> Similar, yes, yeah, similar, similar. So, yeah. if, you know, the, do, do you really want to know how the um, how the sausage is made? Sort of, if you don't know what's actually happening, if you can't see it, it doesn't really affect you. Does it really matter to you as, as a person, as a society? I think that's something that you have to ask yourself.
0: Yeah, is this your first game that you're putting out?
4: This is the first game that we're actually publicly releasing. My brother and I have been making games for the better part of two decades together we did some uh, a game called blast radius which was like a scorched earth sort of game and um, a few years ago we were heavily involved in the star control 2 community and we did some fan games there but this is the first game that we're seriously putting together to actually the first game of the scale that we're actually going to be um, sort of properly releasing but uh, nick and i have been working together in a professional company for 11 years now we own a company together so we're pretty good at, at sort of working together and getting projects out the door
0: What's the name of your company?
4: Burn Visual Illustration. If you go to um, okay. burnstudio.com or burn.co.za, um, it, it's an architectural illustration company. So we do illustrations of animations of buildings.
0: So you guys are architects turned gamers?
4: Yeah, well, I mean, it's essentially, um, I wanted to make something that sort of really focused on environment and world building, which is something that we do on an almost day-to-day basis. So Stasis really started off as cool environments that we then kind of worked the story into and the entire thing evolved that way
0: no i got you and for anyone out there if you're interested in stasis our conversation a 2d isometric sci-fi horror adventure game i don't believe i said that well the first time <laughs> go to kickstarter.com type it in stasis s-t-a-s-i-s and if you can't find it there always go to djgrandpa.com where we have links for all of the people we have on the show chris thank you very much and your brother's nicholas right
4: it's yes it's nicholas yeah. all right
0: tell him i said hello too and best of luck on kickstarter and we'll be there for you at the finish line
4: thank you very very much sir I appreciate it have a fantastic day you too
5: My name is Joseph Fletcher and this is my testimony to the healing powers of the American South. I came here to forget a girl and this land in all its faded glory became a fitting backdrop to my broken heart. I started shopping in thrift stores and began discovering discarded amateur-made vinyl recordings His faded covers and scratched up grooves struck a chord in me. Hello, how
0: are you, Joseph?
5: Ah, fantastic. Hi, Grandpa.
0: Now, where are you? I I couldn't exactly, is it Spain or is it London?
5: I'm in Spain at the moment. Oh, okay. The fortune or the misfortune, depending on whether you like uh, the sun or not, of living there. I'm not really a sun person, so. Okay. Yeah. Well, sadly, I live in Spain.
3: (laughs) Well, people, they talk about
2: evolution. Science has got it all figured out. They're trying to tell me that we're part monkey. They say there is no
0: doubt. Well, I'd like to welcome everybody back. And we're talking to Joe Fletcher. He's a documentary filmmaker out of Spain, and he's doing the buddy cop thing with Bedlam Productions out of London. They're producing... Well, it seems to be a documentary about one man's journey, one man's heartbreak. It starts in the UK and somehow goes all throughout the South. And Joe's the only one, they say, who can make this film. So why don't you tell us about it, Joe? What's, what's, the, what's it all about?
5: The reason, I guess, that I'm the only person that can make this film is it's a personal story. We're going back maybe 12 years here. But uh, I was living in England and uh, I was in a relationship which uh, sadly at the time ended and I was kind of distraught and heartbroken. And I bought a ticket and I just moved to the south one day and I bought a car and I just started driving around, kind of lost and in my lost and disorientated state, I. I started to buy records, which had always been a passion of mine, but um, particularly I was buying records who were made by amateur musicians, and something about uh, the records just inspired me one day to start looking these musicians up, and uh, so I started knocking on various doors and meeting these musicians, and so the documentary is, is really the story about them, and... Through them, I kind of tell my own story.
4: Get on board. Get on board. Get on board. There's room for
0: How big is your record collection, man? I got to know that. That's personal.
5: Now we get down to the nitty gritty. Right. Well, it's uh Well, I've probably got about five or 6,000 records. From my time in the South, about 2,500
0: So, Spain, London, and then the United States South.
5: I guess the decision was made because the South to me is, if you look at America like a body, it's kind of the neglected, falling apart part. So, it was was a broken heart for me.
0: Oh, representation. I get it. Now, you said something you either learn fast or sink deep in the South. Which did you do?
5: I sank for quite a long period, but eventually I I figured out how to stop sinking and uh, rose above it. Thank God, because I'm here today to tell the story.
0: The trailer that you have on Kickstarter is very nice. Man, you're an excellent filmmaker.
5: Thank you very much. It's a work of passion, I guess. It comes deep from my heart. When a project's Based on something that's so personal, I think, you know, it uh, It gives it an extra element and um, it's soulful, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, i not trying to be flip, even though I'm always flip, and I'm not trying to yeah. be rude, even though I'm always rude. But okay. dude, you were depressed, man. You were really depressed on that film, man.
5: I'm glad they came across like that. Yeah, I was, I mean, the, the film is revisiting, so... Uh, when I started making the film, I was uh, I was in a much better place. But um, the film, you know, tells the story of a, a very depressed period in my life. I think depression is a, is uh, an important subject to cover. But you know, at the end of it, there's uh, there's light and there's love.
0: Do you think you'll ever return to the South?
5: Yes, I love the South. I've, I've been back a few times since and. Uh, yeah it's an amazing place and I'd encourage anyone to uh to make a journey there I know in in America there's a bit of a stigma attached to the south I think if people have a personal experience of going there they'll see it as being a a very different geography from what they assume it to be
0: you went throughout the south you have this kind of torch song thing going you're on this vision quest you say something to the effect the part of success is the high price of failure. What did you think about these musicians like present day, you know, after they've been through this whole process?
5: The amazing thing about the South and the musicians that I was meeting is everyone everyone has had tragedy really touch their lives in quite extreme ways. And For me, it really put my, uh, I guess, my depression and my sense of the tragedy that had befallen me into perspective. You know, what they taught me was that, you know, success can be something from within and something smaller and personal. But as a whole, what they taught me is that, you know, you have to look within yourself for success. And if you do that, it's, it's much easier to attain.
0: Have you found any soulmates along this journey of yours?
5: every one of the musicians who's uh, included in the film is um, has taken a piece of my heart and helped heal a part of my heart and also uh, given a huge amount to me.
0: Now, did you ever find the girl or were you given a second chance at life somehow?
5: I'm now, and have been for quite a while, uh, very happily together with a girl. So yeah, I've definitely been given a second chance. And for me that healing process and the the idea that when your heart is broken coming to realize that you know you can start again i'm thankful to the south for giving me that sense of uh i guess resurrection
0: so you went in a broken man and you came
5: out somehow born again patched up yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right all right well joe fletcher i I mean i wish you the best and it sounds like you're on the road to recovery and
5: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much.
0: No problem. Thanks for coming on the show.
5: You're so welcome. And listen, good luck with the show and uh, keep on doing what you're doing. It sounds great.
0: I'd like to thank all our guests. I'd also like to thank our listeners. Each week, we couldn't do it without you guys. A special thanks goes out to Trevor Williams and to my mentor, The Mumbler, for providing music to DJ Grandpa's crib. Thanks to Jeffrey Banks, Bertrand Zeke, and Zach Semile, our assistant editors. Until next week, so say we all.
3: The homepage for DJ Grandpa's Crib is djgrandpa.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, DJ Grandpa's Crib, all one word. Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, which helps other people discover the show. And don't forget to leave a comment while you're there. Our producer is Von Rupert, the executive producer of this and all Bedrock Communications podcast is AF Rufus.